Welcome to Our Story, a podcast where ordinary people share extraordinary stories. My name is Atherva, and today I'm joined by my friend Liz Winberg. What's up, Liz? How are you? I'm good, Atherva. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, excited for this conversation. It's been too long since we last talked. Uh, so how are you? Like, what is new? Well, um, since we probably last saw each other, moved to Minneapolis. It's been three years. It's, it seems crazy that I've been here almost as long as I was in New Mexico. Um, recently got a job at General Mills headquarters. So that has been a month now. So I've transitioned from working at the plant um, actually during like the first two months of COVID where I'm working with 300 people to now I work in an office in my house um, with no one around. So very, very big change. Um, also recently moved. So my friend bought a house and I'm renting a room. So now instead of a 700 square foot apartment, I live in a 2000 square foot house with a couple other people. So lots of changes, especially in the last month. <laughs> well, those sound like all great changes. Uh, so yeah. let me be the first to congratulate you. That's awesome. So happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, I never pictured myself a corporate person, but I'm um, still kind of getting used to it. But I uh it doesn't feel like corporate since I'm literally just in a spare bedroom in the house working. <laughs> so. Well, that's what you get for being so good at your job. You just move oh, up. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, deserved. Well, deserved. I'm so happy for that. Um, and, you know, we talked about Albuquerque days. Like, that's where our paths cross. And we have, wow, so many, so many fond memories from the many adventures and just the hangouts we had in Albuquerque. So we'll definitely touch base on those. But before we get to that, uh, let me kind of get a better understanding of uh, what little kid Liz was like. Uh, paint us a picture in life in Wisconsin. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in Wisconsin, uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin. Little kid Liz was very, very quiet, probably a little bit different than like how you know me now, um, but definitely an introvert. I have a twin sister, Erica, so I definitely kind of was her, like, shadow, so to speak. So my mom has all these, like, report cards from our daycares um, and people who used to take care of us, so, like, wrote, like, little report cards, and they would always say, Erica's the life of the party, she's a social butterfly, and Elizabeth just preferred to, like, be around Erica and, like, always wanted to go where Erica was, so I definitely kind of grew up in that um just kind of like being more quiet being more reserved um with my with my twin sister who is my best friend so that's awesome uh, quick question you said lacrosse wisconsin does that have any correlation or connection to the sport lacrosse yeah so it's actually named after the sport of lacrosse um i never played it it looks really intense um but yeah we there's a bunch of like statues of um Native American. So uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin is a very kind of like native area. So we have a bunch of um, Indian statues kind of like playing the cross and, and depicting that. So it's also known for the uh, world's largest six pack of beer. So many things are kind of home to La Crosse, Wisconsin. What was that title again? <laughs> it has the world's largest six pack of beer. What does that mean? <laughs> like, you know, like a typical, like, six-pack of beer, like, you'd, like, bring to parties or whatever. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Store. So they literally have um, a six-pack, like, six giant cans of beer that are actually full of beer um, in La Crosse, Wisconsin. 
So it's so, manufactured specifically just for that town. Yeah, there's a there's a brewery in the cross. It's, it's not very <laughs> exciting. It's called the Cross Brewery. Um, not very creative name, but yeah, they. Uh, my dad grew up uh, when he went to college. He worked at the brewery um, to kind of make some ends meet, and uh, lots of people have worked there who lived in the cross. But yeah, if you ever come visit my hometown, be sure to check it out. They're about like. I want to say like 10 to 15 stories high. There's like one can. Um, and I think like there's some interesting facts. Like if you actually drink a normal size six pack of beer a day for how much beer is in those, in the giant ones, it would take you like something like 6,000 years to drink all the beer. <laughs> and then Oh, okay. Now it makes, so it's not like a retail thing. It's just like a place that has basically silos of beer. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome it's, it's pretty exciting <laughs> cool cool um and now you said uh you were pretty much a shadow of your uh twin sister and you know i never met erica but you know her like her name came up a lot we talked about yeah. her a lot as well um is that relationship still pretty much the same or has that evolved um it's definitely gotten better since we've um kind of lived in the same area so since college um we kind of we parted ways uh just like physically so she went to university of Wisconsin Eau Claire I went to university of Minnesota and then the next gosh 10 years we were never in the same place so she went from Eau Claire to La Crosse to Minneapolis for a very short time and then to um California and then I was back in Minneapolis. And then I went, obviously, right from Minneapolis to Albuquerque. Um, and it was actually just when she moved to Minneapolis that I moved to Albuquerque. So the joke that we always say is that, you know, she she finally moved to Minneapolis to, to live next to me. And then I I left <laughs> for New Mexico. <laughs> so we only had about three weeks, I think, overlap when we were in the same city in the last eight years. So, um, But she's here. So we... Um, when I originally moved back, we actually lived in the same building, which was crazy. I, I was on the second floor. She was on the seventh floor. So we got to see each other a lot. And then obviously, um, as rent is just crazy expensive here, we've both kind of found different Golden Valley, um, which is like a northwest suburb of Minneapolis. And she's in Eden Prairie, which is a, a very west suburb. So we're about 20 minutes apart now, but we still try to see each other at least like cool. once a week or so. That's awesome. Yeah. And I never met her in Albuquerque, but <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> you always describe her pretty much the way you describe her in, in the report cards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and okay. uh, you, you evolved since for, you know, the way you described your, you as a kid. Um, walk me through how high school days and college days and like what led you down the engineering path, which is, you know, pretty unique for, um, for, I would say like female engineers in manufacturing are, are not very common. Like what was your motivation to go down that path? Yeah. So high school, um, I was definitely quiet. Math and science came very easy to me and I only really figured that out because I had Erica to directly compare to. So we were, we've been complete opposites um, ever since childhood. She was, she loved like English and history and she was good at those things. And I was good at math and science. So when it came to like helping with each other's homework, it was, that was 
honestly the, the perfect scenario because we would just help each other with our with our weaker subjects um so I think my my love of like math and science stuff we started in high school I didn't necessarily know kind of what that would turn into so when I originally went to college I was a biology major and wanted to go the pre-med route and all that and and I think I really only chose that to initially because I didn't know what else was out there. Um, I took my first biology class with a bunch of other pre-med students. And um, I'll be honest, they were pretty cutthroat about their grades because like they were just set on med school and I obviously wasn't that set on it. So I found out pretty quickly that um, the pre-med track was definitely not for me, that I wanted to do something else. And I definitely missed science. Um, I missed or science and math. So I didn't take any math classes my first semester and um, I missed calculus so much, which I know is a very nerdy thing to say, but I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So after that, I um, went to the College of Liberal Arts, I can never say that word, Liberal Arts, um, because I needed to take a couple other prereqs before I could get into the College of Science and Engineering. And at that time, um, you know, I loved high school. I had a lot of teachers that I really looked up to in high school. So I thought like, hey, like this would be perfect. Like I can either be a math or a science teacher and just kind of like relive like all the awesome times I had in high school. I could be a sim coach and I could, you know, like really make a difference. Um, and my parents shot that down so fast. <laughs> God bless them. <laughs> but they, they were very much like, <laughs> you are not going to be able to survive without our like financial help if you major in math and like in, in uh, you know, math education or science education. So I said, no. <laughs> um, so then they, then they really helped me kind of figure out what I wanted and like what I was good at. Um, so they said like, why don't, why don't you try biomedical engineering? I know it's very math and science combined. Um, and I, I always liked, you know, like doing things and like seeing how things worked. So I got into that program a year later when I had all the requisites and then started that. Um, I would say like, I wasn't fully like committed to engineering until I had my first co-op and actually really understood what it is like engineers do. Um, so I, I, I actually took a year off of school in the middle um, and did a co-op for a year with uh, actually with my dad at my dad's company, um, train company. So I was a kind of manufacturing lean improvement um, engineer and learned all of the like Toyota cutaways and um, and basically just got to work on industrial chillers for about a year, um, which was really fun. And that kind of introduced me to this whole manufacturing engineering that I had, I had no idea um, even existed. And what I loved about it is that, you know, you weren't at a desk for eight hours, you were on the floor talking with people, it was kind of a mix of like the like people interaction and then like actual engineering. Um, so after that, I, I knew I wanted to be in manufacturing. So I had one other internship at St. Jude Medical because um, I figured I, I would use my biomedical engineering degree a little bit better um, at St. Jude than I did a train company and hated it at Surfa <laughs> so much. Um, you hated the medical field? I hated the medical field so much only because, so I worked on a, um, a line that manufactured heart catheters. So it seemed really cool. Um, it was really cool, 
but I, you know, impatient I can be. You've, you've seen, you've worked with me. Um, I like to get stuff done and I like to get stuff done relatively quickly. Um, and the thing that I did not like about the medical field is that obviously the FDA um, does everything like, right. They, that you have like document control, you have things that like you cannot change. You have things that like, it's like a, there's a process to change everything. And it's usually like a like changing one word on a document might take three weeks. And I, I just mm. did not have that patience. That. <laughs> Super stringent, so, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, I'm glad they have it. Like they're inserting things into bodies. Like that's very good that they, they have that process, but that, that just, I knew that wasn't for me. Um, so that same summer that I was at St. Jude, um, one of my friends that I was a CA with had an internship at General Mills. And she was just raving about it. Like General Mills is awesome. And like, they, they treat you so well. And like, that was like, that was one of those companies, obviously in being in Minnesota that people look up to very highly. Um, yep. so and, and folks, job. and for folks that don't know the headquarters for General Mills is in Minneapolis, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yep. So it's, it's kind of one of the, the top coveted, I, I would say jobs in the, and then twin cities. Um, mm-hmm. So applied to General Mills, honestly, I had no idea what the program I was applying to. I just I literally said manufacturing engineering. And I, I said, let's do it. Like food manufacturing sounds good. Um, and they got the job offer. And literally, I could not tell you how little I thought about it until I accepted it. And then even less thought went into moving across the country. So <laughs> I think <Wait>. looking, <laughs> looking was... back on it now. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. So. Um, I think it's looking back on it now. Um, I think I told my mom, like, and my dad, I was like, Hey, I'm accepting this job at General Mills. Oh, and by the way, I'm moving to New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of similarities there. Um, General Mills for me was like also not on the radar. So like my very last year where I was just like, let's try something new. And Albuquerque was the same thought process. I'm like, that sounds like part of the country I would never get to see. And I was like, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it, like, it met certain criteria that like I had an airport, it was warm. Mm-hmm. I was sick of Minnesota winters. And like, I knew that like, if I don't move away now, it's going to be like much harder to like experience something else since I had only lived in the Midwest. So exactly. I, I yeah. If not like, now, then when that's yeah, yeah. literally check the same exact boxes when I chose Albuquerque. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. honestly, it was, a really, really good decision. I love every second of it. I loved. I miss it so much. I, I still try to go back there like every, like, eighteen months to two years just to like visit it because I just love. First of all, I love the people there. Mm-hmm. Um, second of all, I just love like the weather and the scenery. Like it's just it's so beautiful. Yeah, and, definitely yeah. underrated. Definitely underrated. Yeah. Like, like no one knows if about it. If it wasn't for like the crime there, I would live there in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, honestly, but, I never firsthand experienced it, but I know there's an underlying uh, truth to that for sure. Um, yeah. But my time there, I was just like, man, this this is like an ideal place to retire. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, just gorgeous. It is. Um, Okay, so let's uh, jump into our days in Albuquerque. That's where our paths cross. What would you say, uh, like, if you were to describe Albuquerque, what would you say was like the the defining 
thing that made Albuquerque the most memorable place for, you know, our time there. Yeah, I think I think the thing that I love about Albuquerque, first of all, the Sandia Mountains, you literally, every time I looked at them, it, they were breathtaking. I never got used to them. I never got, like, sick of seeing them. Um, it was just gorgeous. The sunsets were fantastic. I, I loved the food. I still, I literally have, like, 10 jars of red chili sauce in my pantry that I still cook with today because... I love the food there so much. Yeah, and to paint a picture, the Sandia Mountains pretty much like envelop the east side of the city. So if you're ever asking for directions or you don't know where you're going, you literally just have to look. It's like, oh, that's where the mountains are. And then you know where you're going. (laughs) And and it's just like they turn this like beautiful, like pink rose color for every sunset. And like you said, it's just breath taking every single day it's, it's awesome yeah like you never get used to it and it's just like I think the thing I miss about Albuquerque is it was a it was a big city but it wasn't like a um like there were no skyscrapers it, it didn't have like the feel of a big city mm-hmm. um and like you could get anywhere within 20 minutes it just seemed like it just seems so calming. Like no one's in a rush there. Like obviously, there's a big joke that everyone's on Albuquerque time, where you show up like whenever you show up. There's no like, <laughs> there's no like time. <laughs> like we have to leave at two. It's like if you tell someone from Albuquerque leaving at two, like you don't expect them until like four. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it just a, it was like just a cool vibe. Like just to like stop and like see the sunset, see the mountains and like just enjoy that nature that I obviously the Midwest is very different. There's a lot of more trees and grass here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just miss those mountains so yep. much. And then the food scene, like we would make it a point to like try as many new restaurants as the city had to offer. Like I remember we would just like, whenever we had a chance to uh, go out, we would just like look at Yelp or a phone app and just say, all right, what's what's on the agenda today and i i would say like they the best food experiences were probably like the most hole-in-the-wall places that when you would mm-hmm. drive by you would never expect to be a nice restaurant in there yeah for sure for sure there's a ton of super good restaurants um like downtown near knob hill um even like flying star was like a good staple it was close to both of our apartments yeah, that um, that was our go-to our, spot. <laughs> our many milkshake sharing, <laughs> and Etherva introduced us to the uh, the blended like chocolate and vanilla milkshake that you had to like special order. Yeah, I mean, I went there so often that like I had my own milkshake on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. No, I think, but I think the thing I miss the most about Albuquerque is like obviously moving there across the country I without anyone I knew one family when I moved there um there are people that I met like you and Mariella and like the technicians and the support staff at um Genoma's Albuquerque like truly became my family mm-hmm. um I still talk to a ton of people there um obviously I still to keep in touch with you guys and just kind of like looking back on it like I I just I just miss that experience so much and miss living close to all of you guys and yeah, I think going to work and just doing the whole thing. I agree. I think you put it the best. It's like we made our own family there. Like, uh, 
every weekend we would try to put like some adventure under our belt and like we would try things that I would not have had a chance to experience anywhere else. Like the story that comes to mind is when we went mountain biking with some of oh our co-worker friends. <laughs> I'll let you tell the story because yeah. it will be different <laughs> coming from my end. <laughs> it will, it will. Yeah, so I think it was, was it Brian Paltown and Jeremy Gonzalez were like, let's go. Uh, and Guy. Right? Guy, yeah. Jeremy wasn't there, yeah. but Matt was. Oh, we uh, we borrowed Jeremy's bike. Yeah. That's why I thought of Jeremy. Yeah, so I think they were like, let's go mountain biking. And I was like, we're, you know, third were like, we're I think you and I were probably the most like down for like whatever like we'll try it once. <laughs> yeah exactly so yep. we're like yeah like no big deal like we can do this yeah so we, didn't, we don't even have mountain bikes exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we scrounged up like I think like Brian had an extra one and then one of my um my good friends Jeremy had an extra one so we got these mountain bikes and we meet them on the trailhead it was like super early because otherwise it gets way too hot to do anything in the summer there um and, like, I think I asked, like, Brian, like, you know, how difficult will this be? Because Albuquerque's already at 6,000 feet. And, like, I'm all for, like, downhill mountain biking. Like, that's my jam. Like, you don't really have to work that much. Just pump the brakes and then, like, kind of swerve. Um, uphill mountain biking is a little bit different. So, I think, uh, like, you guys all just, like, started shooting up the mountain. And I'm just, like, dying. <laughs> <laughs> and I the thing I had to keep telling myself is like, this is the last hill. And mind you, I'm telling myself this like literally one minute in. <laughs> like, it's the last hill. Like, yeah. like, you could do this. Like, yeah. Don't be a little bitch. Come on. <laughs> so, and, and to paint a picture, like, you know, mountain biking is usually like there's a well-paved trail and, you know, there's markers and everything. The mountain that yeah, we we're went going up, up rocks. We're exactly, it's just rocky terrain. There's no trail that's paved or there's no like, um like a like a flat terrain it's literally just rocks that you're climbing like a, it would be a difficult hike just walking but now we're on wheels yeah it was probably one of the most difficult things i have ever done even still to this day <laughs> yep so finally finally the last hill arrives and i'm just like elated let me start going down so turns out, like, I am also not great at downhill mountain biking because I just pump the brakes. But obviously, if you pump your brakes too much, you just fly over the handlebars. So that was, like, a fun challenge for me. Um, but toward the end, it got fine. Like, like the, the trails got less rocky and they got a little bit wider. Um, so we were at the very last turn. And, like, I'm trying to keep up. Um, my third was right in front of me. And, like, I can see the car. And I, I'm pumped. Like, I didn't die. Good. And uh, we had, like, one last turn to go, like, into, like, literally into, like, where the the pavement is for the the parking lot. And then a third of a misses the turn and goes right into a cactus. Well, I think you were, no, your choices were cactus or pole. Yep. You chose pole. <laughs> yeah. So he goes down. <laughs> And it has this, like, big gash on his face. Um, so, long story short, um, we took him. We had a little urgent care visit right after. He got a couple <laughs> stitches. There's a really hilarious video, or I think picture of, like, you yeah. looking like death. And I'm just, like, giving a thumbs up and smiling <laughs> in the urgent care room. But 
Yeah. So this, we, we tried it once. I've never gone back. <laughs> that is true. I've never tried it again. Well, at that mountain, I've never tried it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So from my perspective, it was exactly the way you described it. Like we had finally done all the hard part. And the whole time, like you're like super tense, trying to make sure you're not like falling or hurting yourself. So we're at this very, very last stretch. And finally, like, like I was like, ah, finally I could take, take a breather and enjoy the views. So I'm just like, you know, not looking straight. I'm trying to look at the view of the city from uh, at the base of the mountain. And then I look ahead and I see uh, Brian turning into the parking lot. It's like, oh, I, I have to turn here too. And we were going, I wouldn't say too fast, but it was like fast enough. And the dirt was like all rocky. So I pumped the brake super fast. And I had two choices, either a cactus or a wooden post. So I chose the wooden post and I hit it like face on and I flipped over the handlebars and the bottom of my chin scraped the top of that post. And I, it happened too fast for me to realize like what, what, like what just happened. And then I see you pull, pull up behind me and like, I just knew something was wrong by the look on your face. Cause you probably saw like blood trickle down my face. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, there's some blood for sure. It's funny <laughs> that you mentioned that like the views, honestly, that trip, all I remember is like looking at the ground. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's the whole I time. <laughs> <laughs> I did not get the scenic view. Yeah. So like the last stretch, you're literally staring at the ground the whole time. Yeah. Stretch. I'm like, all right, let's take a breather and like enjoy the views that are, uh, that are here. And uh, that was uh, that was the end of me there. <laughs> That's all right. We both we both survived. Yeah. So yeah, you took me to urgent care, and in my you know how I like to record everything and take pictures or everything, I recorded myself getting stitched up, and like you're in the background trying to like you know cheer me up kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. I think we got milkshakes. Did we get milkshakes after that? Of course, we got milkshakes afterwards. I think we got brunch. We yeah, they yeah. Got brunch and milkshake. <laughs> that we did. It was tradition. <laughs> like whenever we yeah. would go on a hike or something, we would reward ourselves with some kind of treat. So that was yeah. that was a treat for the day: stitches and milkshakes. There you go. <laughs> they go well together. Uh, and then the other adventures that come to mind, like uh, you mentioned, like we're one of those people that would just like let's just try it, like whitewater rafting. Do you remember that? Oh my god, we almost died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're like let's go I can't remember if it was uh if that Duluth trip started out as just zip lining because I know we had like the zip line thing mm-hmm. or if it was like both zip lining at white and white water rafting but yeah it was perfect that was such a that was such a fun camping trip we had like 20 people mm-hmm. yeah this is how the um, thought process starts it's like let's I want to do something this weekend and that turns into let's see what's around to that turns into let's see who is interested and depending on like what crowd we attract we decide on something and this yeah. weekend we decided to go up to colorado uh what was the town do you remember it was durango durango yeah beautiful town by the way and uh, it was one of those things again like, like let's see what this town has to offer so zip lining was on the list and like this place had really great reviews and it was on sale. yeah exactly <laughs> And we had never done it. We we're like, let's do it. And it was honestly a really great experience because, like, we got more than what we paid for. Do you remember? Like, we, the, yeah, we, were we the, got like the, the, the extra de- deluxe package. Fun. Yeah. Cause it was, yeah. we we're the first group of the day. And we did like the first half as we were supposed to. And they're like, we're not salesmen, but we have to test the rest of the course. So you guys want to go for it? And we're like, heck yeah. 
awesome. So we ended up doing that. And then later on, we did the whitewater rafting. And um, it was like, it seemed like a very calm river till it got to the not calm part. And the water was just like glacier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think I think we went like in we must have gone in like June or something. No, we must have gone in May. It was it, definitely early. It was early summer. Early summer, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the the what was it? The whitewater rafting. I think started off. We probably knew it was going to be a little dicey because they were, first of all required wetsuits, uh-huh. even though like the whitewater rafting we signed up for was like level two, level three. Um, they only require wetsuits for level four, assuming that you're going to flip over. They said, like, hey, the water's really cold. Here's a wetsuit. Great. And then they're like, and, like, there may be, like, a little bit of level four waters at the very, very end, but it's fine. And we're like, okay. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, like, literally, like they said, there was level four waters. And, like, I don't think I've ever been on a boat that close to tipping over. Like, we were, we were <laughs> vertical. Like, we were vertical. We were sideways, Our, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, we didn't fall in, thank God. But that would have been that would have been a trip uh, <laughs> yeah yeah no the, the thing I definitely miss about like living uh close to you at there is like you just got like the like you got all all of our groups together so like I think that that Durango trip had we had kickball people we had um like your kickball people we had the interns we had co-workers like we just had so many other like like what just like a big group of people who like usually would not have known each other just like all sharing like six tents so yeah it's a really good way to make a lot of friends yeah road trips i'm convinced are the best way to make really good friends because pretty much packed in a box or however long the road trip is whatever adventure you do it's like so memorable and then you remember the people you're with um and Yeah. yeah that's always my thought process like i always cast the wide net to see like who's interested and it literally if I were to graph the responses I get, it's like, oh yeah, that's really cool to when it comes to like really committing to it, like drops down to zero people and then I have to keep pushing. And then I finally get like level off at a good group. This particular (laughs) trip, like a lot of people said yes. And I think we had close to like 20, 25 people. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. uh, Fun times. It was so fun though. We just took over the, took over the whole campsite. We pretty much did. Like we had like three campsites because our group was so big. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Sure. Uh, what other fun adventures really stick out from Albuquerque? I think that balloon fiesta was always fun. I know you accrued for them a couple times and that was one of the things on my bucket list um, that I finally got to do before I left Albuquerque was riding a hot air balloon. It's literally like you're floating like you can't <laughs> you're like, li- yeah uh, you the feel flight like itself. you are weightless yeah like, yep and once you're up there like you don't hear anything except for like when they they turn the the flames on to uh-huh. eat it but like it's just so it's like weightless and calming and just like an experience that like i think everyone should do Agreed. When, um, when i took my minneapolis friends to albuquerque i think almost a year ago now um I I convinced them that like I know it's a lot of money, but you need to go if we're gonna go to Albuquerque, like we're gonna go in a hot air balloon. So I've gone twice now and it's just it's just so cool. Great. 
it it's like levitating and it sounds dumb because like yeah you're in a hot air balloon you're supposed to be floating in the air but that feeling you get when you're like flying in an airplane like you know there's that um like the g-force you get when you're going up in the air when the plane's taking off and the hot air balloon it literally feels like you're just floating in clouds there's no yeah. uh there's no counterforce on you. So it's just the most calming thing in the world. Um, and I, like you said, it can be very expensive, but the one little trick I have is if you ever go in the October timeframe, go in the first week of October, you know, when, if this COVID thing, you know, gets, uh, you know, settles down at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, first week of October, they have the balloon fiesta, which is the largest hot air balloon festival in the world. And, the best way I could describe it is like you're living in a Bob Ross painting. Like that's how I would describe it. It's just the, the sky is just a canvas of hot air balloons. It is breathtaking to say the least. And then if you crew for uh, a pilot, then there's a time like it's a week long festival. And if you crew for them and you get along with them, uh, they'll usually offer you a free ride. And that's how I kind of snuck in. And the two years that I did it, one year, I both years I was uh, paired with the Brazilian team. The first year was a uh, special shaped balloon, and it was like a shape of a dog called Little Dog. And the second year was um, a flying dragon. Basically, it was a crocodile-looking thing that was lighting a rocket behind it. Um, and that balloon actually made it on uh, ABC's um, nightly news. So that was like my claim to 15 minutes of fame where <laughs> – the balloon that I was flying in was on national TV. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Another I one like of my favorite memories um, is when you, Mal, and James literally had to like push me up wheel of peak. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, leave me here to die. You guys go ahead. And then you can like literally see the peak. Like we're there. And I'm just like, I was so tired. It was it was really challenging. Okay. Like, so that adventure guys... needs a little bit of build up to like help understand. We oh drove gosh. through to Taos and we were literally yep. driving into a black cloud. Do you remember that? Like we were, everyone was yeah. driving away from Taos and we were driving into it. And it was like a scene from Game of Thrones where just like the, this black wall was just engulfing all the mountains around it. And we were just thinking like, how in the world are we going to camp tonight? Uh, so tent camp. Tent that's camp, that's right. Yeah. yeah very good like clarification. That. We were tent camping. <laughs> Not only that, when we get there, it's pitch black, it's raining, and we had to set up a tent <laughs> while it was literally pouring on us. And we found this little like canopy cover of trees where the ground was still wet and it was raining, but it wasn't like downpour. So I remember like you turned on your uh, high beams and pointed it toward where we were setting up the tent, somehow got the tent uh, upright, got in there, and we were just hoping that the water wouldn't flood into the tent. <laughs> so your tent yeah. held up pretty well. Um, I was so impressed. I, yeah, exactly. We I was ready to be like drenched. I was ready to be drenched that day. I was like, I'm too tired to care about anything else right now. I need rest for tomorrow. <laughs> so yeah. We we get up the next morning and it's just gorgeous, like picture perfect day, perfect weather. We start up early, eat like um like I think we had prep like PB and J sandwiches for breakfast, um you know feel ourselves and we start the climb. And Wheeler Peak is the t 
tallest peak in New Mexico. And if I remember correctly, it's almost 14,000 feet, but not quite. It was like 13,000. Yeah, like a little under. Yeah. Yeah. And we start the climb. What time would you say we started? Like 7 a.m.? I think we started at 7, yeah. Because I think we yeah. got up at like 6. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and we start, and it's I, I would describe it like, you remember the opening scene of Sound of Music? Yeah. Yeah, that like that's what was going through my head when I was walking up this mountain. And I actually, at one point, I think I started singing the song. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was a beautiful day. It was. Uh, uh, so the four of us, uh, you were leading the pack. Uh, you were setting the pace. And I think towards like 75% of their... Oh, one thing I wanted to mention, like we passed by a, this pretty giant lake and we like hung out there and yeah, that's cool. we took a little break and then we started hiking again. And I'm like, the lake is... Like the lake was literally a good climb up. So I'm like, we're pretty far away from the peak. Like that's the thought that crossed my mind. And we started going and then we finally cleared the tree line where, you know, the trees can't grow anymore. And I look back and I remember that lake that we had passed was like a little tiny pebble from how high up we were. Yeah. And then we kept going, kept going. And then I think at like the three, four point, you were just like, I'm going to hang out here. And I was like, (laughs) all three of us that were with you were like, no, nah, that's not a good idea. <laughs> so we kept going. And I think that was the point where like, it was like, we were like literally climbing on boulders. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, oh, I'm not having it. We were on all fours at certain points of the climb. And I was like, we're too far away. Cause I, the convincing thing I was um, saying to you was like, well, if we turn back now, it's, it will be as much as work as just, getting to the tops like we're already there let's just finish it yeah i think i remember asking some people that were like coming down like oh are we close you're like not really <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> that's a number one like don't ask people if you're close <laughs> yes you never have a good answer for that <laughs> <laughs> and then or we hope fi- they lie to you <laughs> that's say, also you're true <laughs> but we made it and it was just I don't know how to describe it. Was it. Absolutely stunning. Stunning, yeah. You yeah. you have to be there to realize the view. Kind of, kind of like um, you know, how people like take pictures of Grand Canyon and then they show up at Grand Canyon, and it they never look the same. Never look the same. I, I would describe the peak the same. Like I have pictures from the peak, but like what you could fit on a t te- like a little phone screen or a computer screen versus like the vastness that you experience when you see it from the top. It was it was awesome. Yeah. And then, and then the thunderstorm was coming in, so yep. we had to run down the mountain. Exactly. So like, and it so, took like four hours to hike up and then like an hour to like literally run down. Yep. We, we literally have to just commit. Like the hike down for me was more difficult than the hike up just because you were oh, trying to chase away from the, <laughs> from the thunderstorm. Yeah. yeah, we got to the top. And again, the same thing. You see just a black cloud coming at you. And you're like, all right, well, time to go. <laughs> yep. I think we got like 15 minutes to chill up there. And we're like, and we're going to run down. Perfect. Yep. <laughs> like how much elevation gain was it? Like, oh, three, uh, 3,000, 4,000. I think, yeah, closer to four. It was, uh, we started the base at what, like six or 7,000 and the peak was at 13. Uh, but again, the facts I think, I think are getting blurry. Higher. Oh, th- that's but, yeah, true. It's just crazy. Yeah. But yeah, yeah let- I mean. 
I'm glad you guys made me do it, but I definitely was not enjoying myself on the way up. <laughs> but <laughs> you got back. You're, you're fine. You got back and I was like, do you want me to drive? You're like, no, I feel good now. So I think it was just, yeah. you needed to get back and re-energize and we were good to go. I just needed a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so many great stories. Um, and then from Albuquerque, uh, you went back home to Minneapolis and now you're climbing up the corporate ladder, uh, doing great things. So I'm super happy to hear that. Congratulations again. And I always end this podcast on one note of asking, you know, if you had one piece of advice for me, what would that be? We had so many great memories together. You got to know me pretty well. If you had to give me one piece of advice, uh, what would that be? I think just kind of keep chasing that adventure, especially during these troubling times of COVID. Um, it can definitely seem, I don't know, kind of like daunting, uh, just because what the state of the world, especially the U.S. is in right now. So just keep chasing adventures, making memories with friends, and it's always a always a good story that happens out of it. So that's true. That. <laughs> I know. Well, and one adventure that we've committed to, I know you've committed to me at least, is we have to hit the highest peak in Minneapolis now, or that's I'm sorry, right, Minnesota. <laughs> yep all right when yep. uh when the storm clears um we'll we'll make sure we get that hike under our belt as well i love it awesome take care liz bye thanks bye there's a quote by bill nye that says everyone you'll ever meet knows something you don't and what i learned from liz is that adventures out there go chase it